This episode is supported by FX's Clipped, the scandalous story of the 2014 Clippers owner's racist remarks captured on tape and heard around the world. The series charts the tape's impact on a dysfunctional basketball organization striving to win against their reputation as the most cursed team in the league. Starring Lawrence Fishburne, Jackie Weaver, Cleopatra Coleman, and Ed O'Neill. FX's Clipped, streaming June 4th, only on Hulu. All righty. Good morning, Hawkeye fans. Uh, Harrison Starr, a.k.a. Uh, HD underscore star on Twitter, joined by Thad Nelson. Thad, how are you doing on this lovely, at least where I'm at, uh, this lovely Saturday morning? Yeah, it's a, a good morning. Feels kind of odd to not be getting right into my my game day rituals with an evening game, kind of kind of going slow into it. So just playing with the kids, and and we've got a bunch of rain here this morning, but it it'll clear out and be a nice day. Fantastic, man. Fantastic. Uh, I don't necessarily want to get straight into it with the Iowa offense because I feel like that's a horse that we've pretty well beat uh, between uh, Ben and I talking on the pants party. I thought you and Rob did a really nice job talking about it um, on All Eyes podcast earlier this week um, because I I was just kind of – I said I don't want to do it, but now I'm about to do it. (laughs) I was just thinking – I was just kind of going through, you know, the Rolodex of past Iowa seasons. And I always had bad offense before, but I don't know that we've reached, like, this level of despair. And obviously the numbers bared out. But, like, you look at 2009, 2004, neither of those offenses were particularly good. But at least you you always felt like Iowa had a chance there. And that that's, I think, where the immediate frustration with Iowa fans is right now after, you know, a season of um, – an off season of oh, there's going to be change, and then it it there was change, and it, and it's not as good. But uh, I, I guess we we can maybe start with the offense quick, and then and then move to maybe some some other storylines. I'm I'm with you completely on that, and I think a lot of it is it's just felt like kind of a slow drip ever since you know the the 2020 season where Iowa was playing really well at the end of the season. Twenty one things start off. Offense doesn't look great, but they're they're winning games and they're figuring it out. And really, since uh, the middle of last season, it just feels like this slow drip of things aren't getting better. We don't see where the improvement is going to happen. You know, last year, think okay, some of those young receivers are taking some steps. Maybe maybe there's some progress there. We like some of the freshmen. Um, Charlie Jones was was emerging as a. a wide receiver one or two candidate and there's that name cool yeah Um, (laughs) but then it just it just all all fall into where if you watch this offense there's nothing we're like oh I I like this piece oh I like that piece Um, it's so disjointed right now and I think this fact that everybody's just watched it slowly kind of turn into this is just put people off um and obviously, I think the other part with this is, too, is there's been this brewing thing with Brian, an offensive coordinator, as well. And it's it's all just kind of manifested itself into this really ugly start to the 22 season. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I, I think that that distills it really pretty well. Um, hopefully, we get 
uh, Keegan and Nico Regani back. Um, I know that Gavin Williams, I saw earlier this week, he's really heading towards 100% or at least as close to 100% as, you know, running back can be. So I think that that's good news um, because, you know, uh, as you said, like, there were some pieces to like last year. And I think the the one kind of mea culpa I kind of have to make is like, I, I was the one who was uh, Connor Colby. I thought he was probably could be the best player on this offense. Um, and I wanted him at tackle. And that is an experiment that has not necessarily worked just yet, but I'm not holding out hope or I'm holding out hope that, you know, that's, this is the type of thing that he's in a little new position. Uh, and maybe by, Week seven, week eight, we start to see the line coalesce. All of them should be back next year, um, with the exception of maybe Jack Plum. So I think that if there's hope to hang on the offense, it's it rests with that line and it just turning into one unit and transforming from you know what they are now to something better by the end of the year and maybe something really pretty good by by beginning the next year. Just because you look at the recruiting stars, you look at kind of the, the builds of um, the linemen and it's different than kind of pass lines that we've seen. We don't have necessarily the, the, the star of it, like a Tristan Wirths or a Tyler Linderbaum, but maybe in some respects that might help build that continuity um, over the course of this year into next. The long-term pieces at offensive line, I like, and I'm with you with Connor Colby. I think he has a chance to be um, a productive right tackle for this team and they're playing I mean they're playing essentially in their top six rotation three guys that are second year on campus Um, two of them missed a lot of last year with injuries in uh, Stevens and Dunker you've got a, a center who's transitioning from defensive tackle and it worked perfectly and seamlessly with Linderbaum. And, and I think we all are like, oh, yeah, that worked. We'll do it again. And I, st- I still think Logan Jones is going to be really good at that position. But there's going to be some some hiccups along the way. So I like the pieces that are there. Uh, you mentioned they've kind of changed who they're recruiting. And over the last three or four years, uh, we're seeing different body types that I think are going to be good for Iowa going forward. I'm with you. I think by week seven, eight, this offensive line looks better. I thought there were some moments last week where we saw some improvement in different areas, but the offense just was not able to retain the ball. And uh, they missed so many of those short, like what I, what we always call those easy, just like pick up three or four yards with the pass, kind of extend your run game with that short pass game and they're missing those, uh, which then is just putting them in, in a bunch of troubles, but I'm with your original comments. I was glad when you said that because I was thinking this morning, the offense obviously has been a major frustration, but I still, I still have my enjoyment of watching this team um, from the defense. I think this defense has been phenomenal uh, both in their play and, and just what they've been able to do. So I'm glad that you mentioned kind of getting to that because I still really enjoy watching the defense play and it hasn't taken my my love for in, for watching the team at least one half of the ball right now. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's actually a, gr- a great transition into kind of what I was looking for out of today. And like, you know, two weeks ago, I was like, oh, I was getting a little cocky. I'm like, hey, can I always show an identity? 
last year, I think we were both spot on, and or last week we were both spot on, just knowing how weird the game was going to be, and it, it did. It certainly lived up to the weirdness that I was expecting. But I, I think from what you said to me today, what I would like is a net enjoyable experience watching the Iowa football team. Um, I, I think Nevada has some interesting pieces. I wrote earlier this week that they've got one defensive back who has four interceptions through three games. He's taken one back for a touchdown. I think that that is a little scary when I, when I think about Iowa on offense, but from a defensive perspective, I'm looking at some of this, the, the Nevada numbers and it looks, you know, to me, that's where, as you said, most of the enjoyment comes from watching Iowa football. The next portion is uh, Tory Taylor. And there was a great story by the Daily Iowan who kind of detailed his family's, uh, you know, travels and, and, and staying in Iowa. And, and they'll be here for a few weeks. So I thought that, that that's a great one. Chloe Peterson wrote that. Um, but overall, like, I think from a defensive perspective, what we haven't necessarily seen Iowa do, and part of this is Iowa's offense giving it right back, but we haven't seen a positive turnover differential yet this season. And that has been over the last two years with, with you know, kind of the, the current infrastructure in place and really throughout, you know, the last five. But that has always been the key metric in terms of if Iowa is going to turn the ball over less than their opponents, they're probably going to, play pretty well and it's going to be an enjoyable experience for, for everyone so that's definitely something that I am hoping Iowa can get back to uh, this week but Nevada on the flip side they haven't really turned the ball over um, against the the non-SCS teams they they have no uh, no turnovers in those two games they have two fumbles uh, against Incarnate Word um, but I, I think if Iowa can you know flip field position you know, maybe take advantage of a little lighter defense and maybe we do see that run game get going with Gavin Williams as kind of the lead back. To me, I think that the pieces are in place for this to be a, a broadly speaking, more enjoyable evening. My hopes defensively is if you can put Nevada in a situation where they're having to uh, pre- press, I guess maybe is the best word I can think of, on offense where uh, Iowa can somehow get a lead by multiple possessions and force Nevada's hand on a few things. That's where I feel like this defense really shines in years past is they get a lead and they're able to dictate what the offense has to do. And that's where I feel like you get those fumbles on, on somebody trying to get a few extra yards or the tip pass over the middle on a second and long or third and long that gets intercepted and either returned or put into a good position. I feel like those are the situations this defense can uh, do and the things that this defense can do against Nevada. And as you said, game one, Iowa wasn't able to force any turnovers. South Dakota State did a really good job. I think there was maybe one fumble, but uh, went out of bounds or they were able to to recover it. So hopefully uh, a few turnovers can help. But just getting to watch this defense and how they move and how the pieces just work, you know, if you think – if the offense lost somebody of Justin Jacobs' ability. It's just things fall apart. And what does Iowa do on defense? Well, okay, so 
uh, Cooper DeGene just slides over from splitting time at corner and he just slides into that role and, and they just keep doing what they do. So I do think we'll see that Iowa pretty much in cash the entirety of this game, which for me personally uh, fits the, the current personnel with Jacobs out still with the hamstring issue fits this group really well. And I think we can see some of those turnovers. And I also think this defense has a chance to, to get a couple sacks and, and put Nevada in some long situations, forcing their hand into, into some true pass situations. Yeah. You really nailed it there, Thad, because when I think about last week, especially like the, the thing that Iowa struggled with and, and Obviously, there was the 99-yard drive, but I think overall, their inability to get those three and outs, to get Iowa State behind the chains, that was definitely something I think, you know, you're very high on Hunter Deckers as both a runner and a passer. And I think, you know, in some ways, Iowa over-indexed on him as a runner just because he was so unknown in kind of those abilities. I think with the six nine Nate Cox, I, there's not necessarily that fear um, from from Iowa for the Nevada quarterback, and, and I think that to your point, if Iowa can get themselves in, in strong positions of putting Nevada behind the change, you know that that's that's where we see the most fun out of an Iowa offense, not the dinking and dunking that you know happens from time to time against them that that's never fun to to witness because there's a level of inevitability to it but you know I I think this team sets up for Iowa to to do what they do best as as a defense and with that I'm also hoping to see out of the defense I just want to see hopefully they can get some of the the D tackles a little bit more rest I know Noah Shannon was in and out of the lineup last week with an injury and Logan Lee had to play, you know, 71 out of 80 snaps. And there was some talk, is that sustainable? And and coach Bell said, yeah, you know, he trained with the linebackers, but you don't want to go into big 10 season with one of your main defensive linemen playing 85% of the snaps. That's not going to be good once you get into that meat of the Big Ten schedule. So hopefully they can get some rotation there. It'd be a good way to get Lucas Van Ness a few extra reps. You know, he's right now at probably about a 55, 60% of the snaps rate. And I think getting him closer to 65, 70%, whether it's at D end where they have a little more depth right now or some more reps at D tackle, I think would be really good. And against a team like this, I think he could feast at either position. Um, I, I see this as being a, a one and a half to two and a half sack game for Vanessa. I'm hopeful because like, I, I think he's been, he's been someone that had shines obviously last year. And then the, the two pump blocks this year, the, the almost field goal block, like against South Dakota state, like, He's had those kind of wow plays, but from a a straight defense perspective, I I haven't necessarily seen as much of him as I would like. Um, That doesn't say he's not doing his job. I think for for me, especially like watching defensive linemen, it's always tricky to know who's doing well because like 
when a defensive tackle is doing well, you're probably not hearing their name. They're sucking up two blockers and Jack Campbell, Seth Benson are, are, are cleaning up whatever's happening. Um, but Shannon was someone who, who was great in the, the first game and, you know, injured in the second. The, the Logan Lee one, I think, is, is a great point, though, because it's sustain- th- that type of workload is sustainable until it isn't. And, like, I think against you know, South Dakota State, these first three games, certainly he can be out on the field for 70 plays a game. But when you're getting into those bigger linemen, especially as I think, like, a, in Illinois, like, they are huge offensive linemen. Um, it, it's going to wear down, um, no matter how, how well-conditioned you are. So definitely getting that rotation in there is definitely something that I am hoping to see Iowa do a little better job of um, this, you know, th- this game. Um, and I had another thought, Dad, but uh, I'll, I'll turn it over to you uh, if you've got anything that that's on top of your mind while, while I try and remember what I was thinking. The other thing to to think about, too, is with the defensive linemen, as the game has become more horizontal, it also puts additional stress on those defensive linemen because it's a shotgun snap for, for many of these teams, and there is a lot of horizontal motion, whether it's throwing out wide, whether it's some of the zone read that's go, trying to get outside pressure. Linemen are having to play side to side more in modern football than ever before. It's not just plug up the middle. It's not just maintain that rush lane. <clears throat> you're past, you're uh, ru- rushing the passer more, which takes more energy, and you're chasing side to side more as well. So that's the other part of this. I, I just don't think – I don't think Iowa wants to be in that situation. I think that's a good change they made probably, what, five or six years ago of, of getting more defensive line rotation. And I think that's something that they've worked on. And, you know, I think it's something that that I'd like to see a little bit more of today going into the Big Ten season – and if you get late in the season and, and you need to be a little more one-dimensional with who plays, that's fine. But in a game like this, you should be able to rotate. And Iowa is deep enough at all of those defensive line positions to keep guys fresh. I think that's something we've talked about in the, the Slack a lot, Thad, is Iowa's defensive line recruiting. To, to me, it is so much different than 10 12 years ago because you know the the often the defensive line they had back then you know where it was Claiborne I don't even think Adrian Claiborne would be a defensive end how he was built in 2022 Iowa now obviously he was a great player and a great defensive end for Iowa but it's just as the game has moved I think Iowa has been been really good at adapting the types of bodies that they get at defensive end and defensive line in general and just using a number of different bodies like um Deontay Craig is you know I don't want to say tiny because he's huge relative to me but when you look you stand him next to uh other defensive linemen he and Joe Evans especially like they're not your classic defensive lineman builds but Iowa still gets a ton out of them in, in that rotation and you know I this is also something we've talked about is like by being able to, to rotate those guys are able to give better effort, you know, more often. And I think that that is been a pretty big key for Iowa over the last three to five years. And I think definitely seeing someone maybe emerge 
in kind of that, that fourth spot. I know Louis Steck's been out there a little bit. We haven't seen much Aaron Graves, and I think that this would be a great time for him to maybe make a name for himself if he, if he kind of emerges into that defensive line rotation. That's the one that I think we'll see more of today, especially knowing that the, I mean, it depends on the health of Noah Shannon, but last week he, he had the injury that occurred during the game. So he had to come out and they probably weren't planning on Graves as much, but now this week, I feel like you can go in saying, all right, let's try to get some of those young guys, a few additional reps. I think, uh, Kirk in his weekly presser mentioned the possibility of, uh, Pittman, I'm blanking on his first name, um, but he's another freshman that that they talked about possibly playing in this, and this would be a great time if Iowa can afford to get him into the game to get one of those freshmen who can still redshirt by playing a limited number of games. It'd be a great time to get somebody like Graves, who probably isn't redshirting, uh, and then somebody like Pittman, who is. If you can rotate those guys in a little bit more and also give them some some – reps during the week as well would be really good just so they are uh, really key on when they play here's their limited defined role yeah and then I think from a rotation standpoint Iowa has a number of defensive backs that they can play but I think is this is this the day we see maybe a Xavier that's my question as uh, my son is excited for Xavier Nakuwanka. Yeah, I think, um, you know, we've seen TJ Hall and Xavier Wonkpa get in in special teams and, and have a role there on some different coverage and return teams. Uh, yeah, this is a game, you know, most seasons you go into this and say, oh, great, this is the game where I can't wait to get to see some of the younger players and, and what they look like and what their role might be as they go forward. But going back to what we talked about to open this up, I think a lot of fans are worried that this is going to be halftime and it's going to be something like 13 to three um, and mid third quarter, it's 16 to three. So all of a sudden you're sitting there going, uh, okay, like I really want to see those guys, but you're, especially defensively, you're one play away from, from being a field goal game or a one possession game, maybe. How much do you risk that if you're in that situation? Which is, obviously, there's already a lot of pressure on this offense um, with their struggles. But I think it's really amplified, which sounds strange in a game like this. But I do think it's amplified because everybody's saying, okay, here's your chance. You're playing Nevada. They're just coming off of a loss to Incarnate Word. Um, here's your chance to show us that there's something to have some hope for in the near future. So I do think there is a lot of pressure on this offense to go out and get some points early um, to give fans hope, but also to give this coaching staff a chance to evaluate some of those younger players in a sit in a game situation. And that's really important for their uh, just the whole team's long-term development and your developmental program. And that's really important going forward. Yeah, yeah, I think you're you're doing a good job of not letting me get the cart again ahead of the horse because you're absolutely right. Like for some of these guys to play, Iowa's going to have to, you know, put themselves in a position where they can handle a little more risk than than normal. And I think that to me, we look at it from kind of a broad perspective. Kirk Ferentz and I even 
I've been thinking about, you know, the, the quarterback situation a lot. But, like, to me, he's always going to try and win the game in front of him. And in some ways, that's a, a blessing because I don't think there's a game that Iowa can't necessarily win. But it's also a curse in that, you know, you're not going to see those developmental situations outside of, oh, the game's in hand. Let's let's roll some of these guys out. So uh, I, I think Kinnick could very much be on edge tonight um, for, for a lot of the reasons that you described. And I, I'm certainly optimistic. But, again, what does, what does good look like? Like, I think that that's also the, the struggle that – that I come back to because, hey, as you just kind of laid it out, a, a 23 to 3 win, that's great. That's a win. It's, it's more points than Iowa scored in their two games this season, more, more points than they would have scored since, I think, the, the Penn State game um, with, with Petrus, at least, as, as quarterback. And that's all well and good. But in the context of the season, it's maybe not – that good. Um, I, I'm also kind of using a Kirk phrase when Spencer Petrus has a ton of equity build up, but like from a fan sentiment, he's past due on some of these payments. So if we see him and the offense play really well, it's like, okay, all right, that's now, now you're only five months behind and not six. Like that's, I think where ultimately the, the sentiment around IO football is just in such a weird place because I don't know if there's necessarily a uh, result today that could um, get Iowa fans broadly optimistic for the rest of the season. That's 100% what kind of my thought is. I, I want to see some progress in terms of I want to see the offense look more in sync. I mentioned I want to see consecutive positive plays, and, and I shared in our Slack so far this season, Iowa's had six times all year where two plays have been a positive PPA. So points, um, basically positive points expected. So if you're in that situation, what is the very average play nationwide? What's the net outcome of that play? And only six times this season has Iowa had two plays in a row where they were, quote unquote, above national average um, for that given scenario. And I want to see some improvement there. Obviously, I want to see just the the pass game and the run games take a step forward. But I'm with you. There is no outcome here uh, where I see it as like a win situation for this offense. They could put up 40 points, and no matter what, people are going to be like, well, it's Nevada. They just lost to Incarnate Word. Um, and is that fair? Yes and no. Like, I, There's going to have to be more than one game showing of productivity to make us think there's hope in that end. I, I think of last year's Maryland game, all the things that went Iowa's way in that game. And, you know, you could, if you left that game saying, oh yeah, the offense, they, they've started to figure out we're on the right track. And you go forward in two of Iowa's next three games, they scored seven points. So seeing it once, I don't think is going to be enough for fans to say, okay, this there is this clear path forward, but I also think if you look at it in very um, lower level, if you can see some of those positives in this game, you can say, okay, I, I think I can see where 
it's not necessarily even an average offense, but it's an offense that's capable of, of getting to seven or eight wins. And, and that's what I hope to see is, is there a hope that this offense can do enough to get this team to eight wins? Is that even feasible in any sense? And I think we'll get some feedback there. And if Regani and or Keegan Johnson play some, you know, I, I don't expect them to play a lot, but it sounds like they're trending toward possibly playing some. That's also going to help give us a little bit of an indication on that. The only thing I think we we know for sure following this is, well, I I say that and then I'm going to contradict myself is like, if it's bad again, um, is it enough for for them to finally just make the change at quarterback? Which some of the rumblings this week sounded like they had decided to make a change, and then after sleeping on it, the next day went back to Petrus. So. Um, that's kind of where I'm at is do, do we see enough for them to either stick or change? Yeah, that, that I think is, is maybe the, the final, final point, because it's a great one to add. Mom. At the end of the day, are Daddy. we going to know who Iowa's Daddy. 2022 Daddy. quarterback is going to be? Because I think Daddy. this is really, in Daddy. my view, the best get right game from that position and you know even if you when you kind of play the season out well do we really want to throw uh, you know Alex Padilla out for you know a start at Rutgers and then Michigan and then Illinois and then you got the bye week so it's like there there's not necessarily this was the time to make that change and you know, whatever rumblings happened, happened. And it's kind of weird that everything seemed to be trending that direction from a, a chatter perspective and not come come to fruition. But we, you know, we've both been Iowa fans long enough to know that Kirk is nothing if not stubborn. And I, I don't know that he's necessarily going to go down with the ship, but Spencer Petrus is getting every opportunity to, to show that he can turn it around and for better or for worse, we're probably going to find out if we reach that point tonight. And, and you know, in some ways, that that's maybe the, the thing to, to look out for as much as, okay, can it be a net enjoyable experience? And then do we know what quarterback is going to look like for the rest of the year? Absolutely. And I think in the Slack, you mentioned something that really stuck out to me and I thought was, was perfectly said is – Kirk is always going to play to win the game in front of him. And it doesn't matter if he thinks Petrus is 1% better or 80% better. Better is better to him. So in his mind, why would I consider playing the guy who I don't believe is better? Um, whether or not that's true or not, whether that person is better or not. If, if he believes this guy is any percentage, 1 to 100, if he thinks he's better, why do anything differently. And I understand that train of thought, but I also think as everybody's mentioned, there is this massive body of work that says, this is really, really bad. What could it be any worse? And if so, why not? Um, but yeah, I'm, to go back to your statement, I'm just a net enjoyable experience is uh, definitely a, a good way of putting my outlook or my hope for this game. Absolutely. Well, well, Thad, we're like right at 30 minutes. So I appreciate you joining as we've done every, every week this season. I think it's been a lot of fun. 
um, even if the, the games haven't necessarily uh, been fun. So, um, any any final thoughts before uh, we wrap this up? No, I hope everybody just can enjoy their day. Uh, you know, if there's some good offense, enjoy it now because you don't know what this evening's gonna gonna look like. And uh, yeah, I just that's about it for today. Awesome, awesome. Well, you can follow Thad at tnels20. I'm Harrison Star HD underscore Star. Thanks everyone for joining along. This will be on the podcast network. We'll have something, um, something this evening. I uh, don't know if it'll be the regular cast and crew, but uh, I plan on popping on after the game and recording the podcast so that it can uh, be put onto the the podcast network as well. So. Uh, Thanks, everyone, for listening. Uh, Go Hawks, uh, and have a great day.